Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. Good morning. It's Monday, October 3rd. Welcome to the podcast sponsored by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation, the makers of Lecvio and Clizerin. It was another weird but fun week in the NFL. We had a ton of fantasy eruption spots, some interesting results, and there's nobody I'd rather break it all down with than Scott Pianowski. Scott, what's going on, buddy? How we doing? Doing great. Yeah, I like to say that every week in the NFL is weird, but in, weird in its own way. A lot of guys smash. It felt like there's a lot, not much middle ground here. It's like people that we needed for yeah. fantasy were either just going ballistic and dunking all day, or it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, record screech. You know, here's your nine yards from a Mary Cooper. So a lot to figure out. Let's uh, let's dive into it. And just to get everybody fired up, you know, what what's more fun, man, on Twitter than to discuss the pros and cons of, oh, I didn't wake up on time. Alvin Kamara's oh in my God. starting lineup. Can you fix that for me? No. No, it's called be a fantasy manager. Get yeah. up, set an alarm, spend the three minutes looking at the inactives. He was on the injury report all freaking week. Okay, you got to get up and do it. Okay, if you're on the West Coast, you know what people on the East Coast do? They wake up at 6.30 in the morning to go to work. Okay, you got to wake up. It's three <laughs> minutes. That's all you have to do. Don't ask your commissioner. You, c- you could literally <sighs> do it. You could literally do it from your bed, man. I mean, yeah, you really, I, yeah, you can do it from your, you can, you can run your whole fantasy season. You can draft from your bed, make trades from your bed, do certainly bench Alvin Kamara from your bed. And you should have done that. But what did yeah. you do? You slept, you slept California. And I'm very disappointed in you. Hey, 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 like I said this on the preview podcast. Don't be going out the night before getting hammered, you know, go, go out on Friday night. Okay. Have your, go out, go out of the town, go get hammered on Friday night. Sleep out the hangover on Saturday morning. Sunday morning is for business. And yeah, man, I mean, it is funny. I'm sure there's like an age d- d- gap, you know, in in terms of the who didn't wake up. I like I woke up at six o'clock today. I mean, I obviously had to work early on Sunday morning, so it's a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit different there. I will say this though, Scott. I didn't have any. I don't have any Alvin Kamara teams. You and I were both really not in on Alvin Kamara this year. That's looking like a pretty good, pretty good call to be out of the Alvin Kamara business one way or another. Um, I will say that I I did like. Got up, at, you know. Got up at six. Saw the news, 
And you know, I, I didn't go change my I didn't go to my desktop and change my rankings. So I will I will cop to that. I was like, ah, it's 30 minutes. Who cares? What what does it matter? My accuracy score is gonna fall. Don't doesn't matter. I gotta get in the shower and, and get 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 down to business here. We got a game to watch. But yes, that is where we will start today. Vikings 28, Saints 25. You mentioned it, man. It is just so funny. Like right off the bat, we got something weird. And I will say Camaro was on the injury report. There was also like a lot of he wasn't really the biggest injury question going into this game. Like it seemed as if we were kind of in the clear, you know, when Schefter hits us with Cook is playing, Thomas is out, Jameis is out. Like we kind of got those pieces of news out of. So I bet people got lulled into a false sense of security with the whole Alvin Kamara thing, Alvin Kamara. So like it was really interesting that he just, you know, pops off kind of late game inactive and really no running back gave us like anything um you know mark ingram like a couple people did ask me about him you know before kickoff like do you play mark ingram's like i don't know not really i mean he ended up getting hurt in this game but there wasn't much to take from the saints offense other than the fact that chris olave is that dude man like uh, you know his value is not tied to the Jameis winston prayer yards he's a legitimate like future number one receiver if he's not there already and i think he proved that today with andy dalton and just what just to put a a bookmark in this Kamara thing. When they activated Latavius Murray, who I'm convinced played with Archie Manning, and he'll probably play with Arch Manning in like five years. Yeah. Latavius Murray will, will predate us all and outlive us all. When he was activated off the practice squad on Saturday, that was a clear sign that you had to worry about Kamara's status. Chris Olave, inelastic demand. It does not matter if it's Winston, if it's Dalton, if it's Taysom Hill, if, if it's somebody off the street, if they trade for Teddy Bridgewater in November, I, whatever, October, I don't care. You're playing Chris Olave. Ohio State is a receiver factory. He was he was a highlight film machine there. Obviously, Wilson was great there. And he, he did it with Dalton. You know, he did it with a guy who really shouldn't be starting, like most backups in the NFL. They're break in case of emergency, you know, the glass and all that. They don't really want to play. Dalton, but Alavi was great. I also just missed another long catch that was barely out of bounds. And yeah. on the other side, we're just so happy to see Justin Jefferson. This is the Jefferson we were promised, right? Creativity. He scores on a running play. First running touchdown of his career. Him going up against Lattimore. Jefferson wins that handily. Yeah, Kirk Cousins kind of drove us crazy. I felt like the Vikings should have won this game easily. Yeah. It was either a tie or a loss, and you're against the spread pool, which I thought was frustrating because Minnesota felt like the right side against that skeleton crew on the, on the Saints. But it, you know, Alave, again, playing with anybody, I don't care. Kamara, I, I'm afraid he's going to be a brick. Um, offensive line doesn't look that good. Actually, I was surprised at how spry Murray looked because, again, it feels like he's been around forever. And you know, nice to see Adam Thielen made some plays. You know, Irv Smith made a couple of plays. Are we getting worried about Dalvin Cook? Because he, he was not guaranteed to play. Well, he played. You wouldn't really know it by the performance on the field. Yeah, I mean, he still kind of dominated the touches in this one, right? 22 touches for him, four for Alexander Madison. I mean, Alexander Madison scores a touchdown, but really, I don't think you can. Like, he's such a thin, he's a razor-thin margin of error play if you if if Dalvin Cook suits up. So, um, am I worried about Cook? I, I don't know if worry is the right word, but he is an aging running back. Like, you know, he's this offensive ecosystem, I think, is a little hit or miss. And And, yeah, you're certainly right to point out that the analysis is always like, well, he's put up big games with this shoulder harness before. It's like, okay, but at some point, you know, as players age, as they go along their career, like how thin does that margin for error get? I think it's getting a little bit thinner for Dalvin Cook at this point in his career to go out there with this harness thing on and continue to ball out. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say like maybe just adjusting expectations, not necessarily all out worried uh, on Dalvin Cook. 
Fair enough. Do you think it uh, just rolls up for Jefferson? Now, but by the way, I, I don't know who who posted it. It might have been somebody who I'm friendly with. But I, I was joking with Frank Schwab that Jefferson would have a big game and then somebody would declare the buy-low window shut. There was never a buy-low opportunity <laughs> yeah. on Justin Jefferson. Nobody who rostered that guy was like, oh, God, I got to get out of the Justin Jefferson business You know, to t- time to uh, to get Mac Hollins and, you know, maybe uh, one of the Agnews boys over here try to fix my <laughs> wide receiver room. I, you took him in the first round. You believed in him. You were frustrated that he had a couple of uh, small games, but you weren't giving up on him in week four and, tr- and trading him for 85 cents. That didn't exist. No, obviously. And honestly, Scott, he's a perfect example of why I don't want to hear like too much complaints about players on a week to week basis. Like, yeah, it's a bummer, obviously, that he had a 14 yard game against the Lions. But guess what? Like the Lions defense, you know, you might not know it by the result today, but the Lions defense gets paid too. the Lions defensive coordinator gets paid to put together, put together a game plan, too. And they went into that game with a clear plan. Like we're going to take away Justin Jefferson and somebody else is going to have to hurt us. The other players did hurt them in that game. And the Vikings, the Vikings, by the way, won that game. Like this is fantasy football, but we're still at the mercy of real football, too. And like defensive players get paid um, and defensive coordinators get paid to put together a game plan. So like, I don't really want to hear too much complaining about when one guy doesn't go off on a week to week basis because nobody goes off on a week to week basis. But you rank Justin Jefferson really highly because he has 147 yards and a touchdown in his range of outcomes. He has dominating the air yards and target share in his range of outcomes every single week. So really, it's just like the re- the reality of fantasy, man, is that like we're chasing a ceiling and we're trying to avoid the pitfall floors. But sometimes you you end up stepping in that trap and there's nothing you can do about it, man. It just happens. Yeah. And it's just so rare when you have a season like what Cooper Cup did last year where there were no off weeks. Wide receiver yes. is the variance position. And a lot of times it can be the, the difference between your week can be. Did you make that one play? Did you get the second foot in bounds? Did they get the call right? It was the snap off in time? You know, what did they call the push off? I mean, your your margins are so, so thin. You just have to make peace with that and just take heart that a player like Jefferson is still going to probably hit for you about 75% of the time. Exactly right. I feel like we've gotten to a point where we just maybe fantasy football is too popular, right? Where we overanalyze everything on a week to week basis. Like sometimes players just have down games and you just got to keep it moving. And there's nothing like there's no real analysis. I'm like, what's up with this superstar player? But anyways, we'll move on to the next game here. Uh, Seahawks 48 <laughs> lions, 45 Scott. This was an absolute fantasy bonanza. Yeah. I mean, just what we expected, right? You take Geno Smith journeyman and Jared Goff <laughs> without three of his best players. No swift. No St. Brown, no G.J. Chark, who's still a solid player, and it doesn't matter. It's just pinball up and down the field, and everybody, every logical play, anybody you could have been proactive out in this game, both the running backs, uh, Williams and and Penny went off, and, and Penny's kind of distanced himself from Walker, who hasn't done much. Geno was terrific. And all we're really asking for from Geno Smith is, look, uh, and not that Metcalf and Lockett went off, but we would say, Gino, look, could you just like steer most of your targets to your two best receivers? He's done that. A little bit frustrating that the tight ends got the touchdowns for the Seahawks, but you might have played them too. You might have been stuck with a Disley or Noah Fant. Tight ends have been such a, a landmine position. So if you play those guys, you were happy with a touchdown. On the Detroit side, again, tight ends have been really skanky, right? It's just nice to see TJ Hawkinson dominating. Two touchdowns, he catches a conversion. The target shares all him. He got downfield. He looked fantastic. And you might have played... Josh Reynolds is just a fill-in, two receivers out, just a one-week rental or a two-week rental, something like that. Not a long-term play here. He comes through. He gets in the end zone. And Gop, you know, Detroit, they're going to press the pace when they fall behind. They lead, They right now lead the NFL in scoring and points allowed, which is just absolutely delicious. The only thing that frustrates me 
is their schedule actually gets really difficult. They, they're playing defenses like the Patriots, like the Packers. Um, they have a really tough slate over the next four weeks, but I love the offensive line. They have great skill talent. A lot of it wasn't on the field today, but with Hawkinson spreading his wings, they'll get Swift and St. Brown back really soon. Uh, Williams has proven to be playable even when Swift plays. I mean, the Lions' fantasy is so up and down and it's so erratic and there's so much variance. The Lions want us to be happy every week, and, and I just want to say thank you. Th- thank you for scoring. Thank you for letting the other guys score. Thank you for... Even the pick seemed easy this week when, when they were heavy favorites and they were missing so much talent. It's like, okay, just take Seattle. That was an yeah. easy against the spread win. So I love both these teams. Geno's proving to be good enough. Uh, Goff's proving to be, maybe he, Matt, before the season, like, oh, it's like we, we would widen the goalposts. Oh, he's a good third quarterback. He's a good super flex quarterback. Jared Goff, top 12 quarterback? We're going to find out the next month because, again, those that schedule gets nasty. I don't like him up against the Patriots and Packers so much, but I mean, he's been great through four weeks, and I love the people around him. I think Jared Goff needs to be upgraded in class. Yeah, Goff's uh, pick six was about as like brutal as you possibly could have had, but we don't really care about that in fantasy, right, because he's surrounded by talent. And I agree with you, like, four – I don't even want to just say for the Lions, like just in general, this offensive ecosystem, when all these guys are healthy is good. Like this offensive line is good. Um, The defense is going to keep them throwing in games. Um, You know, I really feel for Dan Campbell that he, he, you know, they lose this game. Like you could tell how much it bothered him that they lost this game at the end of it. But swinging it back to Seattle side, man, dude, we Gino has just been flat out good. Like, and He's just executing the offense. You know, he's got some swagger to him too, right? He quote tweeted uh, something from the Seahawks where they uh, talked about how, you know, they had zero sacks allowed. They had all these rushing yards. Gino quote tweets it with cooking steaks back there. Uh, So look, he's, he's feeling himself a little bit and he should like, he came into this week leading the NFL in completion percentage over expectation. And I'm telling you, Scott, when you watch this team on film, when you watch over the last two years or so, especially in this version, like with Shane Waldron calling the offense, Russ just didn't take the layups, man. He's and Gino is taking the layups in this offense. And it's like, yeah, bro, you should take the layups when you've got two great receivers. I mean, Scott, how many teams did you draft like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on? It was really, t- especially Metcalf. It was really tough to click where he was going, no matter how far he fell. I mean, I, I have Lockett on a few teams because he fell to like the 11th round, right? It was crazy how these guys are basically left for dead in fantasy football circles. But they're among the five best duos in, in the NFL, period, uh, at the wide receiver position. And Geno's just executing the offense and looks great doing it. They're at least going to make up their ADP and they'll probably be profit players, the two receivers. And, you know, Geno Smith is one of those guys that if you could run his career like a thousand times, I feel like he's run very unlucky in the version that the one version you get in life, right? Yeah. I mean, all the odd things that happened the early part of his career. He was a second round pick. He was somebody, you know, drafted early enough that you had hopes on and, and just everything fell wrong. You, know, you get punched by a teammate, you know? I, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like Geno Smith hasn't had a lot of breaks. So I'm excited for him. And all we want with Seattle, because they're not going to the Super Bowl. They're probably no. not a playoff team, although I dare you to find seven playoff teams in the NFC. It's not easy right now. <laughs> no, we just want them to be competent, to keep up, to fight back, right? The first two weeks, you know, their, their games were kind of tractor trailer pulls, but they had a fun game with Atlanta last week. Obviously, today it was the game of the day. Dare I say it was the game we wanted from Buffalo and Baltimore. We didn't quite yeah. get it, but... Um, hey, you know, Detroit wants you to be happy. Geno Smith's good enough. Uh, you got to make a profit on those Seattle guys, do you feel confident that Penny has, has kind of 
we, we know Pete Carroll. You never know with this offense. And, and oh, man. For all we know, Travis Homer may catch five passes next week or something. But how much space How much space do you think Penny has carved out with this really strong game today? Mm, I'm hoping it's a lot, right? Because I think Rashad Penny's good. Like, he's got, he's got a ton of juice. And again, I know this is the Lions. Let, let's keep, you know, that caveat in mind, obviously. But still, Rashad Penny's got juice. It's a team that needs juice overall in the backfield. Like, you know, at different points, they, they you mentioned Tra- Travis Homer is on IR. It's worth worth, worth mentioning that, right, that like, right. cutting cutting one guy out of the rotation here does matter because, you know, they, they do rotate him in on passing down, stuff like that. You know, DJ Dallas is part of the rotation, too. But, like, I've always I always say this with running backs, and you know, I bring it back to, like, a conversation I had with Maurice Jones-Drew, you know, several years ago back when I worked at NFL. Like, he always would say that, like, committee like committees can be good sometimes, but they can also, when it's too split out, like, when you start to get, like, three guys, four guys involved, it takes the running back out of rhythm. And that's the thing with, like, Rashad Penny is he's kind of, like, a one-yard, two-yard, three-yard, 40 yard type of guy and like the more you can get him in that rhythm the more likely you're to get those huge plays so i i would love scott i would love to see that 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 be the thing but i'm a little hesitant to totally buy in yeah you know we say this a lot one of the keys in fantasy with running back analysis running back room analysis is we're trying to get down from three to two there are only a couple of bell cows around the league now most teams have some kind of platoon system and we want to look at a team and say oh yeah these two guys play and it's really pretty much nobody else. And, and hopefully, you know, the quarterback doesn't run. If, if you know, a lot of teams have mobile quarterbacks, and that's fine. But whenever I see, like when the Patriots got Ty Montgomery out of the way and it's just Harris and Stevenson, it makes it so much easier, so much tidier for fantasy. What's frustrating in Seattle is that they don't view Penny or Walker to be their third down back. So then they, they is, almost yeah. by design have to have a third back. And that becomes frustrating. So again, anytime you can reduce a backfield from three to two because somebody fumbled, because somebody got hurt, because of just the way the rotation fell, it, it that's a big it, just point of delineation in fantasy. Always be trying to get from three to two because then you can play the guys proactively. Yeah, 100%. Uh, good call on that one. Uh, next up, we've got Eagles 29, Jaguars 21. Uh, if there is one team you can you know kind of set and forget – from a playoff perspective uh, in this NFC, it might be the Philadelphia Eagles. They kind of eke out a, a uglier, grittier type of win here in this one. Uh, Miles Sanders has a monster game. Talk about a backfield, you know, kind of getting cut down a little bit. 29 touches, 156 uh, totally, uh, just a ton, a ton of total yards, two touchdowns. Like he had a big game um, in what was a mucky contest overall from a weather perspective there in Philadelphia. Yeah, I feel like I say this every week. We'll see what happens when Philly goes to Dallas later in the season, and we'll see what happens when they go to Indianapolis. It's possible the Eagles could be favored the remainder of their season. Now, I mean, look, they can't have major injuries and everything, but what do they have? They have a quarterback who's improving. They have maybe the best offensive line in football. They have a receiver room, and I think we said this last week, and we probably said it multiple times. Their receivers all complement each other. They're good at different things. They attack different parts of the field. They're good at certain routes. They have deep talent at running back, although it was nice to see Sanders kind of spread his wings today. I did need to make an emergency Kenneth Gainwell start in a league, a 14-teamer, where I was riddled by injuries and the waiver wire was so depressing. I I almost wish I hadn't looked. It was just so sad. I'm like, well, (laughs) guess I got to play Gainwell. There's nothing else there for me. So the fact that he got like nine points felt like a victory, although I – this is not a victory lap. This is more like I was drawing dead. I, I hit a one outer. I got my money in bed. I feel very, very lucky. What hey, I got we'll wrong, Matt, I'll take it. I'm not giving those points back. Those not give those nine points back or whatever he scored. But what I did get wrong 
Before this week, I thought, okay, you know, I love the James Robinson story, Achilles injury. It's it's usually such a kill shot, but he's living off long runs. He's not really a long run guy. He doesn't have the highest success rate. I thought the Jaguars would fall behind in this game, which they did. And Travis Etienne would have to be part of the, the mix. He had one target. He had no catches. I, I, his receiving prop was something like 19 yards. I'm like, that's going to be easy, easiest win in the world. This is the day he has 40 or 50 yards receiving. I put him in the bold predictions because I thought maybe Robinson was a little bit overrepped. They don't want to use Etienne. I, I don't think he had an injury. I, I know you mentioned that Etienne had more snaps. I'm curious what the route data ultimately uncovers. But on a day where the Jaguars didn't have their receiver room full, yeah, I, mean, I was all set to play Zay Jones, too. Couldn't do that. And I, I wish yeah. I could have come up with Agnew, who ended up being their best receiver today. And uh, you know, Christian Kirk, a rare off game. I think you just give him a pass for that. But I, I don't know what e- – I thought ETN was going to have a, a say in this offense. And I thought, especially today when the game script you would think would favor him, and he hardly got on the field. I mean, man, dare I say it, could you be dropping ETN some leagues? You certainly can't play him right now. Yeah, you really can't play him. 15 routes uh, for Travis ETN, eight for James Robinson. Um, I think the key takeaway here, though, is that James Robinson absolutely is susceptible to game script, right? Like, even if Travis Etienne doesn't benefit from it necessarily, like, he ran around on all the passing snaps that he took. uh, Did Jermichael Hasty got in the mix here a little bit, right? Like, he took three uh, passing snaps, which is interesting. (laughs) I, like, barely remember that he was on this roster, right? But Sure, me too. um, This is the first game in his entire career that Travis Etienne has ever out-snapped James Robinson. 24 for Etienne. 21 for James Robinson. Um, so I, I I agree with you that I feel like you can't play him right now. But I, I don't know that I drop Travis Etienne just on the off chance that like, you know, James Robinson really does start to wear down whatever. Um, and then, you know, Travis Etienne gets more in the mix as the year goes on. So I, I, I think he's just purely a hold right now. But I agree like it's going to through the bye weeks. It's, it's tough to hold those type of players that has like they have absolutely no usability. Especially when you think that I know we can go too far with the you know what Adam Leviton would call the shower narrative, but I mean Etienne and Lawrence played college football together. I mean, you would think they would have familiarity with. I know it's not quite as complicated as receiver routes, but you would think that Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball to Travis Etienne was like second nature. I I don't know. I I got that one wrong, man. One of my worst calls of the week. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, there are a lot of like. I don't, you know, I don't watch a lot of receiver film. I don't watch, you know, I'm not sitting there grinding running back tape or whatever because I do, you know, I'd like to have a life and, you know, be able to go outside too. But there are people that watch running backs really intently that would tell you that he's not re- like Travis Etienne's like not really a natural receiver or, you know, there's, there's a lot of holes in that area despite like the I'm starting to buy ball. that. Yeah. Now, you know what? You know what's scary? Is he starting to ride me a little bit of, and look, it's unfair. He just get hurt, right? Etienne's career is just starting. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, is this just this Clyde Edwards-Hilaire story again? You know, um, SEC back, loaded offense. He's not the first priority of opposing defenses. He gets a lot of easy yards, a lot of layup yards. And then he goes to the NFL. And, and, and again, Etienne got hurt. So I got to be fair. I mean, he's just getting started here. But I mean, I think everybody's kind of given up. On Edwards Alaire. And by the time you listen to this, we don't have the benefit of knowing what the Chiefs did tonight. I mean, for all I know, maybe it will be the Clyde Edwards Alaire show. I doubt it, but I, I got to be open to that possibility. But I think most of us are kind of given up on him ever being a special talent. And maybe it's just a case of these SEC backs get overrated sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. Well, at the very, well, it's worth mentioning Clemson plays in the ACC, but you know, what the hell is that? All right. Difference? Of course. Of course. <laughs> what the Stupid hell? me. I'm just thinking south of the Mason Dixon so, yeah, line. Yeah, I'm yeah. lumping everybody together. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Who cares? The point, the point remains the same, though, that like, 
Clyde Edwards Alaire was you're right, great receiving back in college. And like, what's the one thing we've all complained about with CEH? Like he doesn't get enough usage. I mean, there's actually a lot of complaints, but the one big one is that he never gets enough usage in the passing game. And it is also, again, Travis Etienne was taken by the dumbass like Urban Meyer coaching staff with the idea they were going to turn him into a receiver, and that coaching staff is blasted out of the uh, blasted out of the NFL a long time ago. So uh, the media is definitely not giving old John Harbaugh a pass. Any, I feel like any time John Harbaugh goes for like an aggressive fourth down call, it, his his face is on every single like pregame postgame breakdown i've seen it like every time during a break uh you know for halftime or whatever during a game today so it's nuts but anyways bills make a pretty big comeback here ravens uh lose by three points um this game like you mentioned earlier was not quite the fantasy bonanza that we would have expected it was interesting that you know jk dobbins gets back in our lives here 17 touches scores twice um i had been telling folks like give it a beat with with JK Dobbs. I'm always almost always want to like see it from a guy who's coming off a major injury before I play him and like if he goes off on my bench, I'm yeah, fine with that. The prove it game. Yeah, the prove it game. Like Chris Godwin, I, you know, we don't know what's going to happen referencing a game that's going on as we're recording this now cuz we're just a couple of real pros again. Um but, you know, that's another guy like I'll I'll let Chris Godwin go off on my bench before I play him. I'll let JK Dobbins go off on my bench before I play him. Justice Hill also got banged up in this game too, so it might be pretty much like wheels up for JK Dobbins the rest of the way now. Yeah, exciting to see. I wish I had drafted him a little bit more proactively. I, you know, I threw out the Maya Culpa this week that like Mark Andrews was a was a right answer, and I should have had a lot of Mark Andrews. And I, I'm not going to change much of that, but it was just shocking to me that Andrews did almost nothing in this game. Bateman was really quiet, and for the first time all year, I mean, Jackson still had his rushing yards, but I mean, what five point zero yards per attempt? Uh, hats off to the Buffalo defense. I, I didn't think it was possible to really shut down. Baltimore uh, the way they did. Uh, granted, I mean, we, we want a wider distribution. We would like it to have another receiver. Duvernay was their best receiver today. And I, I don't know at what point I have to start trusting him. Every week I'm ranking him where nobody would ever be starting him. But he's done it just about every week. But it was surprising to me to see the main guys I thought Baltimore, I think even on a DFS lineup, I might have hooked up Jackson with either, I was thinking Bateman, I was thinking Andrews, and I forget which way I played that. Obviously, both of them were the wrong answers. I feel like even if, Harbaugh had kicked the field goal. I feel like Buffalo was going to go down and score anyway. I mean, you yeah. don't, you can't, the butterfly effect, you can't assume sliding doors. You can't assume everything would play out the same. But um, what did Baltimore get shut out in the second half, right? And it, B- Buffalo, they're still the big kids in the AFC. You know, it was cute. All those people, not Frank Schwab, but all those people who are like, oh, Miami's number one in my power rankings because they're three and oh, and they beat Buffalo. That's so silly. And Buffalo's still the best team in football. And, and I think even though this was a contested game that could have gone either way, the fact that Buffalo won this game on the road, I thought showed a lot of moxie. And, and obviously, I'm stating the obvious the road to the Super Bowl goes through Buffalo. Yeah, I think one thing that's tough um, with the defense like Buffalo, despite the fact that they have injuries in the secondary, the one thing you could say about every Sean McDermott defense, even dating back to his Carolina days, is that those guys communicate in zone coverage really well. Like they're always on the same page, it, it, especially back in Carolina. It did not matter what like dusty goofball veteran cornerback they would bring in every offseason. They would have a great year in Carolina because Sean McDermott just really knows how to coach up a secondary. And I think we're seeing that even I mean, Tredavious White's their top corner. He's not even playing yet. Right. And then they've had injuries at safety. And like a zone defense is typically the one thing that you can 
really count on to like slow down a mobile quarterback, right? We know that mobile quarterbacks will dice up a man coverage defense because they turn the man coverage defenders turn their back to the quarterback and gives up a lot of you know a lot of production there. Um, Rashad Bateman did get hurt at a point in this game too. He went like out for just a short pass and Lamar threw it literally all the way from one end of the field to the other and Bateman just got clocked and was off the field for a little bit. So that's probably part of why his numbers were down, why Devin Duvernay's were up. But yeah, I mean. Mark Andrews came into this game second in the NFL in air yards uh, behind the only the great Chris Olave only came up with 38 in this one on the Buffalo side. I know that um, Gabe Davis, obviously, like this wasn't the biggest Buffalo game in general, right? Like you said, this was more of like a a late fight moxie based type of win. Um, But are you getting a little nervous about Gabe Davis's target share, man? Like he, he hadn't even come close to sniffing 20 at any point, just 8.8% of the team targets in this one, just 9.8% of the air yards. Obviously he's been dealing with an ankle injury. He might not be a hundred percent, but after like a great week one rollout for Gabe Davis, it has not been great since. Yeah. Buffalo has to prove Baltimore basically said, look, you're going to beat us with long drives. You're not going to beat us with chunk plays. And we saw Allen run proactively in this game. We saw the, the usage was kind of splintered. And, and a lot of the completions were the short and medium things. They, they weren't hitting the home runs today. I know Josh Allen doesn't want to play that way. I know we don't like to watch our best offenses in the NFL play that way. But, I mean, that's when, when you're presented with that, that's a lot of times the right thing to do. The key is you can't have a mistake. You know, you can have a 14-play drive. You can't have a holding. You can't take a sack, that type of thing. Gabe Davis is still somebody. He's a maybe a lower end receiver too, but I can't imagine him being on any of my teams where you start three receivers and I wouldn't be playing him. And even in leagues that start two, I still think I'd be proactive. I'm hoping we're finally at a point where Devin Singletary running back is so ugly right now. Yeah, and he had a really good game last week, but the game had a very unusual flow to it. Miami hardly had the ball. Buffalo ran 178 snaps approximately, but then he gets double digit touches again. Zach Moss plays a little bit. They're not getting anything out of Cook right now. I want, I just, all I want with Devin Singletary is like 12 touches in his back pocket every week and, and maybe yeah. just a, a twinge of touchdown equity. I know it's not going to be a lot because Allen, most of the touchdowns on this team are going to route through Josh Allen. But if they can just promise me or, you know, with the, their actions promise me, somebody asked me a Singletary question and I was just afraid that they, he'd go back to like six or seven touch Devin Singletary. Is he a special talent? No. I think he's a good player and he's shielded by better players. I, I think if he could just get into that rhythm of double digit touches every week, he could be somebody I could rank like running back 23 every week and feel pretty good about. I, I'm hoping that's going to be the case. Um, can you make me feel better about that? I mean, I think that he's starting to kind of like get 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 more and more involved, right? Like it looks this is really the second week of him kind of locking down this backfield. 87% of the snaps, 56% of the rush attempts. He's like involved in the receiving game a little bit. And it's also worth noting too that their top two slot guys both suffered, left this game with injuries. Isaiah McKenzie left with a head injury in the third quarter. Jamison Crowder was carted off the field, uh, towel on his head, leg and a leg cast, the whole thing, like or air cast. And 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 yeah, so that might open up more opportunity for from a singletary perspective. And you know, I think Josh Allen like is getting a little bit better about taking those checkdowns. Like you mentioned, this was not like the bombs away Josh Allen game. It's a little bit more matriculate down the field. Um, so you know, that could be good news for Gabe Davis, who we just talked about a little bit. Uh, that could also be good news for Devin Singletary, man. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you that I kind of wish he would just, they would just settle on him as the feature back of this team. Not that he's a special talent, but he certainly brings just enough to the table. 
And, you know, had Davis not had the four-touchdown game last year, I think Singletary's strong finish to the season might have been one of the main thrusts. But then, you know, Davis just you know, does something that was so seismic that we couldn't unsee it. And point. it just made sense for him. And he was, you know, we talked about one of the most talked about players in fantasy, probably outside the top two rounds. I don't think any player got more talk than Gabe Davis did this summer. So Singletary on the back burner. But with them not wanting to give Cook a lot of work and with them not, I, I think they've kind of soured on Zach Moss again. Yeah. Back in the circle of trust. I, it, I know it sounds like a tepid recommendation, all this the word salad I'm giving you on Singletary, but he's back in my circle of trust as far as being you know, like a top 24 running back, somebody you could play reasonably as an RB2. Yeah, dude, you could do a lot worse. Feels a lot like last year, right, where it started off as a three-man backfield and eventually just gets narrowed down to Devin Singletary. Um, speaking of feeling a lot like last year, Austin Eckler's stat line today felt a lot like a 2021 uh, Austin Eckler stat line. Thank God I didn't want to spend another episode of Eckler's Edge being like, hey, man, what's the deal? What do you? Oh, my well, God. I thought, like, I thought him having to adjust to a new Eckler's Edge host was maybe holding him back. You know? Yeah. Maybe... maybe you know, you just weren't bringing the same energy as our former colleague, the awesome Liz Loza, um, who did a great job on that show. But Austin's great. Thrilled to see him score three touchdowns. Thrilled to see Justin Herbert, who I was just last week. I was just like, you know, how dare you expose Justin Herbert to injury? How dare you yeah. get Jalen Guyton hurt at the end of a 28-point blowout loss? It's just nice to see the Chargers charging, you know. And I mean that in a positive way, because usually when we think of mm-hmm. charging, we think of how they're going to blow this lead. They almost did blow this lead. Yeah, I was going to say, Williams, they almost did charger. <laughs> The but Mike sense. Williams contested catches. Gerald Everett. One. This is a year with not many right answers at tight end. He's a right answer at tight end. Eckler gets back in the end zone a bunch of times. Herbert looked fantastic. I want them. I so badly. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and I this week I just wa- washed that away. And, and not that winning at Houston is is going to fix everything, but it's just nice to see them say, okay, here's a weaker opponent. We're better than you. We're winning. We're covering with a hiccup at the end, but whatever. And our best players are going to do it. So, you know, Eckler, Williams, Everett, Herbert, you know, all your main chargers came through. Um, obviously, they're dealing with a new offensive line where they, they lost their left tackle and everything. But it was just nice to see them have the get-right game because I think they really needed it. On the flip side, I said a lot of nice things about Davis Mills this year. And for three weeks, I was like, okay, got that one wrong. Davis Mills, maybe he's just not that good. Not that he was great today, but I thought he was what I expected from him before the season, kind of like with Geno Smith. We talked about him being good enough, right? I thought Davis Mills was pretty good today. He got the ball to Collins a couple times. He got Brandon Cooks involved. Pierce obviously had the long run. This is the Texans team I want. They're not going anywhere. They're rebuilding. But just fight back a little bit. Get in the 20s every week. Make Cooks playable. Make Pierce a circle of trust guy. Maybe Collins. Now that bye week season is just about here. You know, I'd like to have these guys in my fantasy life that all connects to Davis Mills. Finally, we saw him play well today. Yeah, I'm going to kind of disagree with you a little bit about Davis Mills because I watch this game a, a lot. I, I just, I, I guess, I guess it depends on what you're looking for because you're right. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that he's good enough, man. I, I'm, I'm still a little like, I, I was had a thought to myself today watching Davis Mills and just being like, when are we going to get to a point with like where the Texans are just like, all right, like we, we have like, we're now we're just spinning our wheels, right? Because they pretty much have to ride Davis Mills from week one to week 18. It's not like, what are they going to turn it over to somebody else on the roster? No, they don't have like even a competent veteran back veteran backup. And 
I don't know, man. I'm I've not been really impressed at all with Davis Mills this year, and it, it makes me a little like it makes me a little bummed out for a guy like Nico Collins, who I had a lot of hope for. Is like, I mean, it's just a late round dart throw, and he's pretty much not giving you anything so far. And Cooks, like, yeah, he catches seven for fifty seven and a touch today, but definitely on pace for the worst season of his career. Um, and Damian Pierce though is is the bright spot. So I don't know. I'm I'm a little left wanting by uh, Davis Mills, but uh, maybe that's just, I, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just excited just to see Collins and Cooks do something fantasy viable on the same day True. because we're, we're seeing none of that in September. So again, yeah. you know, with your notable, uh, you know, um, disagreement here noted, I will uh, I will check out. This will be one of my first games off the runway on Monday. Yeah, uh, uh, you can tell me what you find. I, I think it's an interesting conversation point because there are guys we like in this offense. Like Damian Pierce had an awesome run today, 20 touches. He pretty much left Rex Burkhead in the dust. And just last point on the Chargers here, you know, Eckler did play 71% of the snaps in the first half, um, 10 of 14 first half running back touches. Like, so when you go and look at the box runs, you're like, oh, Sonny Michelle's still involved. Like Michelle was not involved at all in the first half. Like they're going to rotate him in the running game like we we know that but what matters for Eckler what matters for all of these Chargers guys is is the offense going to be good and are they going to score touchdowns like that's pretty much what's been missing from the Chargers offense in the first three weeks we got it here in week four um, obviously against the Texans but so we need to see it against some better competition but feeling a little bit better about our Chargers uh, after this one and it was nice to see and after a week where they wouldn't pull Herbert out of a game that wasn't competitive it was smart of them to use Eckler less in the second half. That was actually yeah. the way to go, right? Yeah, let, let your other running backs handle the workload. Eckler realizes it too, right? I mean, he's you want yeah, to be a playoff it. team. It's a long, it's a five-month season if you make the playoffs. It doesn't make sense to give him like the, the Matt Forte 2012 role. That, that's just not smart football. So at least it seems like the Chargers did some of the smarter stuff today that they didn't do last week. All right, Scott and I are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll recap the rest of the week four Sunday action. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Scott. Falcons 23, Browns 20. This game... mm left a little to be desired from a fantasy angle, I would say. Yeah, man, here's a mea culpa for me. I, I thought Marcus Mariota was a good play this week. I may I may have, God, I hope I didn't do this. I may have told somebody to play Mariota for golf. God, I hope not. That person probably hates me now <laughs> if I actually did do that. But I, I told, I was more proactive on Mariota than I should have been. And because I was talking myself into, I like where London's going. They finally had a game where Pitts popped last week. Patterson has kind of pushed everybody out of the way in the backfield. And what happened this week? They didn't throw the ball proactively. They used multiple running backs. I don't know if Patterson got dinged up in this game. At one point when he wasn't seeing the ball, I thought he must have been hurt. But then he got back on the field late in the game. But I, I wasn't expecting Huntley and Algier to be factors. And then they both he was injured in practice coming into this week. So okay. that that yeah. might have been, you know, he was like he like had a limited practice late in the week that spooked a lot of folks. So that's worth noting just that that, that might have been the reason. So 
basically everything I said. I, I did pick Atlanta to, to win against the spread, and they won, but not in any way I expected. Zacchaeus is their best receiver. That's never going to help us for fantasy. Pitts goes back on a milk cart, and it was a quiet Drake-London game. I thought Mariota didn't play well. Um, and then the other side, yeah, I mean, Nick Chubb's unstoppable. Just when you thought Amari Cooper was you know, just going to be the drumbeat every week. Nine yards. I mean, look, yeah. variance I accepted, but nine yards is hard to stomach. Jacoby Brissett's limitations were, were back on display. A good David and Joko game, but they did lose the fumble. Uh, this felt like, I mean, the final score was 23-20. This felt like a 13-10 game, man. Yeah. A lot of running. <laughs> the clock was moving. The, the Falcons, I had, I think I had a Drake London prop, which I had bought down into the 40s. I'm like, ah, yeah, I'll, I'll win this uh this multiple pro leg parlay easily. And the only thing I didn't hit was the Drake London thing, which never came close to hitting. So now if they're, if Mariota is capable of playing this poorly, and if Arthur Smith is capable of pulling back from the passing game as aggressively as he did today, I think I need to reevaluate. Everybody in the fantasy community doesn't want to move pits down. I think you have to move pits down. And I think even London who's looked good, He's going to be held back by the shape of this offense and by the limitations of Mariota. Although the Falcons won today, I was kind of like a sneaky little Falcons sympathizer like a week ago. I think I have to totally reevaluate all that now. I Your points are well taken. Um, and, and I do think that one thing that has been established is that I think it's going to be tough for both uh, tough, if not near impossible, for both Drake London and Kyle Pitts to hit like their theoretical ceilings on a week to week basis. I do think, even though obviously he has the slow game here, uh, Drake London does lead the team in targets, thirty eight point nine percent of the team targets. But like you said, when Mariota started making mistakes, man, they cranked the dial back on pass attempts and really ramped it up from a rush attempt pers- perspective. So. Yeah, and I had the thought too, Scott, whenever I saw, and I didn't watch this game from like start to finish, obviously, and freaking Browns and the Falcons, but like, you know, there were several times when it would come on for stretches on like red zone or I'd flip to it or whatever. And it was just like every time Mariota would make a play like b- behind the line of scrimmage, be like, wow, that's awesome. And then he let go of the ball and it wasn't even close. So that that's the thing. Like there are guys worth getting excited about this offense, but it's still like a Marcus Mariota led offense. And I think that's just kind of where, where it lies in, in fantasy football right now for, for guys like Drake London, even for CPAT and certainly for Kyle Pitts, man. I mean, Pitts's week three was encouraging, but th- from like a routes per drop back perspective, this was a step back. And like, I really don't know what to tell people about Kyle Pitts at this point anymore. Like you might want to readjust your rest of the season rankings like for him or whatever. But if you have Kyle Pitts on your team, I don't really know what you're going to do about it. It kind of stinks. Rest of season. TJ Hawkinson or Kyle Pitts? <laughs> I'm going to cite Kyle Pitts, and I feel like an idiot for saying it after what TJ Hawkinson just did. But, you know, Hawkinson was pretty much on that milk carton, or at least like just giving you the middling of middling tight end stats heading into this week before Amon Ross St. Brown misses uh, the game. DeAndre Swift misses the game. Like this is, this is the uh, Amon Ross St. Brown argument from last year, right? Like oh, everybody else was hurt. Who gives a damn that what he did or whatever. But um, this is a guy in TJ Hawkinson. I think we kind of, but he looked awesome, man. So I don't know. I, I'm going to say Kyle Pitts, but I feel a little less convinced about it after today. I'll ask you another one. Dallas Goddard or Kyle Pitts? Uh, Dallas Goddard. Yeah. I get, think it has get, to be yeah. Goddard. Do you think I don't even think it would be crazy if you could trade Pitts? Let's say your running back room is awful and you traded Pitts for like Gerald Everett and I don't know, Singletary or Penny or something like that. I maybe Penny's too too good in that trade, but like a playable Everett and then like a running back who fit what you needed. 
that's a trade. That's, and maybe who knows? Maybe you can't even execute that trade. I, I don't know. It's somebody might be out screaming. I have Kyle Pitts and I can't get that. So you'll have to tell me, Kyle Pitts manager, what type of trades you'll consider. And we know, look, generally, if you want to get out of the business of a player, and, and, and I don't think anybody holds it against Pitts. It's it, we hold it against Arthur Smith. We hold it against Mariota. But if you are going to make a trade, you usually need something to take to market. So you might just have to wait till he has another exciting game and then by then you may who knows you may talk yourself into it because i was excited probably too much so about Pitts a week ago thinking aha and and it's it's so frustrating matt because he had a thousand yards last year he had the second most yardage from a rookie tight end it's, it's this idea that kyle pitts like we're so binary about it sometimes like oh he's the greatest thing in the world oh no he stinks well he's yeah. good but they they're, they're just leaving a lot on the bone and there's a lot of dry games but bottom line I, i'm willing to say it I don't know how the rest of the fantasy industry thinks. I thought he had to be that locked in tight end three or tight end four on everybody's board. And I just think that was a mistake, not to the fault of Pitts, but to the fault of the Atlanta infrastructure. Yep. I'm with you, man. I, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, Cowboys 25, Commanders 10. This was close at certain points, but Dallas really put it away. My one big takeaway from this game, I, I'm done with any like, yeah, C.D. Lamb is good, but how good is C.D. Lamb? Um, our type of arguments or whatever, and that's that is for sure not a straw man. I know people will accuse me of that. Like, spend any time on like Dynasty Twitter, and you know people will tell you like C.D. Lamb has actually been a massive disappointment or whatever because because he shared a freaking passing game with Amari Cooper last year. And I I don't think Amari Cooper is like an elite player or anything like that. I don't even think Amari Cooper is a number one receiver, but he's still a guy that's they traded a first round pick for, and they paid a lot of money. Like he's going to get a hundred targets at least every year. And now just like the circumstances are dramatically different. And so far through four weeks, 26% target share in week one, 34%, 41%, 32% for CD lamb. The mark of a great receiver is do you command targets and CD lamb has commanded targets in this stretch with Cooper rush as his quarterback. These last three weeks, he's gone for 259 yards on 21 catches and and he's done it all, man. I mean, his post route today. I had a couple of people arguing with me on Twitter about the about the post route that he scored the touchdown. Whatever, great route, great player. He had the one big drop against the Giants, but pretty much this is like a this is what number one receivers do. Doesn't matter who's behind center, they command targets and they produce. Like Ceedee Lamb, I think I, I've definitely freaked out after Week One because I was really aggressive on Ceedee Lamb this year. But the last three weeks have pretty much gone about as good as it possibly could for CeeDee Lamb. Well said. I was you know, being a little too cute when he dropped, made that drop against the Giants on Monday night. I was like, oh, God, I don't want to go back and look at all the players I could have taken instead of CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> and all he's done since then is dominate. He was do The rest of that game, he was terrific. I thought he was very good today. In a game where not many players really showed up for fantasy and the defenses controlled things. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Tony Pollard questions this week. I mean, he doesn't even get to ten yards rushing. Yeah. Zeke was a, a tractor trailer pull, and the problem is the Cowboys' defense was so good when they got in control of this game. The scope of the offense was like, okay, let's just you know take it easy. Don't turn the ball over. You gotta say this about Cooper Rush. The moment's never too big for that guy. I mean, he's very composed. They might be getting Dak back. I, I would think sometime this month. It sounds like he's on an accelerated timetable. Now, granted, Russell Wilson came back from a similar injury last year, and he had several weeks of growing pains. You could argue he never got right once he returned last year. Every, every player's different. You know, every injury is different. But obviously, if you own a roster lamb, I should say, you, you want Dak back. But at least Cooper hasn't submarined the offense, and he certainly hasn't submarined CeeDee Lamb. You talk about prove-it weeks. 
A lot of people asked about Dalton Schultz, and I didn't want to play him this week, but I, I didn't think he'd be as much of a non-factor as he was. It's at the point now where you can't, with any good conscience, get him in your lineup until he shows something. And interesting, also, Michael Gallup, I probably wanted to prove it week from him. He does score, but he only gets a couple of looks. Noah Brown's pretty good, man. I think they found yeah. it. I think they found a solid third receiver. He's clicked with both quarterbacks, I thought. And I, I think he's going to catch probably, you know, 70 balls. I don't know that he'll be all that fantasy valuable because he'll probably end the year as like wide receiver 42 or something like that. But Noah Brown should be on a roster. And during the bye week season, even with Gallup back, I still think he's playable. Yeah, I'm with you. 64 yards on 22 routes. That was only two fewer uh, Noah Brown from then Michael Gallup, right? Yeah, Gallup does score the touchdown. Uh, that that's the Michael Gallup thing, man. You know, getting an end zone target, good for him. But yeah, twenty four routes uh, for Michael Gallup. Ceedee Lamb led the team with twenty nine. So that was, I think, that's a good sign. If you have Michael Gallup on a, on a roster, and I think he should be rostered everywhere. Like this was probably about the best you could have hoped for. Because I like agree, I didn't want to play Michael Gallup either. But Noah Brown does have has staying power, which is crazy because like Noah Brown has been on this roster forever. And he's never really popped at any point, but he's popped here with Cooper Rush. We'll see if that continues with Dak. On the Washington side, Jahan Dotson gets hurt. Uh, Curtis Samuel leads the leads the team in targets again. You know, a lot of those are like bunny hop targets, right? I keep saying that with Curtis Samuel. I mean, he almost came down with the touchdown, which would have been really impressive, but just 6.75 air yards per target for Curtis Samuel uh, on a team high seven targets. Like, I, I think we're at a point with um, with Carson Wentz Scott, we're like, if he's going against a good pass rush, you, you, I don't even know if you can play him, man. Like this week, or, or you, you got to like really die. Not that everybody's like dying to play Carson Wentz, but you got to dial back your expectations for this entire Washington passing offense when they go against like an Eagles pass rush, a Cowboys pass, pass rush, like they did today. Yeah. Last week, he just got buried by the sacks. This week, he got rid of the ball, but nothing happened. The offense didn't go anywhere. Make sure Brian Robinson is rostered in your league, hopefully to you, if you have IR space, because they're, they're not in love with Antonio Gibson. I like Antonio Gibson, but he's not a special player. They don't feel that way. It sure seemed like Robinson was going to be their starter. I don't know how much time he'll need to be onboarded to be ready to handle something that could be fantasy viable, but he should, he's certainly worth a stash to see if something materializes there, because I think they're going to try something else because Gibson had an opportunity. He's been okay, but he hasn't, yeah. he hasn't run with it. Right. I mean, he, if he had had like a really great first four game push off, then maybe it encourages them to go slow with Robinson or maybe Gibson just earned the job back completely. I don't feel like that's happened at all. Yeah. Completely agree with you there. Definitely make sure Brian Robinson is rostered and it sounds like they're going to activate him this coming week. So good, good call, Scott be, be forward thinking out there, people. All right. Next one up jets, 24 Steelers, 20, um, couple of young quarterbacks showing themselves in this game. Yeah. I mean, Trubisky was awful for a half. We wanted to see Kenny Pickett. We saw it. Kenny Pickett does not believe in the incomplete pass. 10, 10 completions, three <laughs> interceptions. One of them was kind of a desperation at the end of the game. Yeah interception and and the quarterbacks you know they run they're running the ball here you know wilson had a couple of scrambles pickett ran in i think both touchdowns two of the three touchdowns two both touchdowns for pittsburgh exciting thing to me is that george pickens unleashed yeah. we've all been dying for that we know how much talent the steelers have in the receiver room they're noted for their ability to find receivers but jonathan johnson milk carton chase claypool droppable fry with it a nice game but Pickens, what I love about Pickens is when he wasn't getting used a lot in the first three games, he was just jumping up and down saying, this is ridiculous. I'm open all the time. And it sure seems like he is. He's, he seems like he's right. And 
I don't know how good Pickett is. He had kind of a strange college career where he was a guy, and then he had a monstrous fifth season in college tied to one of the best receivers in college football. And so Pittsburgh took him at the first round. I, not everybody agreed. He really made sense as a first-round pick. But we're deep enough into the Mitch Trubisky experience to not hold up any more upside there. And it's kind of where the Jets are too, right? I mean, look, Joe Flacco is a million years old, okay? Him yeah. dropping back 59 times a week, you can't really go anywhere with that, okay? Is Zach Wilson good? Nobody knows, but we got to find out. For about two and a half to three quarters, I, th- I thought Zach Wilson looked like he'd never played football before. Yeah. And then just when I was about to you know, start uh, unleashing a torrent of snarky Zach Wilson tr- tweets, he started to play well. And when he starts to play well and he's thrown to Corey Davis and thrown to Elijah Moore and, and thrown to Garrett Wilson and, and Ty Conklin has been a nice kind of, uh, you know, fill in the gap tight end. I don't think he has a great upside. He's probably tight end five or six right now. It's going to come down, but he may end the season as a top 12 tight end. This offense makes sense that way. Brees Hall, the nice touchdown at the end. I wish I were optimistic about Zach Wilson, but at least he gave me something to build on. They, they won the game. They stole a game against a good team, a well-coached team on the road. I picked Pittsburgh in an elimination pool because I'm, you know, I'm on drugs. I don't, I don't understand what, what, what was that? Or I, I don't know what my problem is. Maybe I don't have enough caffeine in me. But what a dumb! I thought, oh, I'm going to avoid the Patriots-Packers game because I think Green Bay could be picked off. That actually looked pretty valid. Yeah, that game, close, yeah. that game went to overtime, but Pittsburgh loses to the Jets. I guess it comes down to this because you know the, the quarterback baton's being passed. How? Although I don't know that the Steelers have said what they're doing next week. I mean, I guess it's possible they could go back to Trubisky. I God, I hope they don't. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, how encouraged were you by what you saw today from Pickett and from Zach Wilson? Yeah, I think Zach Wilson, like you said, just gave you reason to be optimistic. Certainly was not a perfect game, but strung together a drive when they needed it. Um, it's great to see. Like Brees Hall is officially distancing himself from Michael Carter, which I, Michael Carter is a nice player, but you know, come on, like Brees Hall. Uh, I mentioned it on the Stat Nerd podcast, and I think the preview podcast. Like he's doing some crazy stuff from an air yards perspective at the at the running back position. So we, we kind of need to see more of Brees Hall. Um, yeah, I think Zach Wilson gave you just enough reason to hope, and and I look like. It just needed to happen with the Kenny Pickett thing, and, and you're, you're right. One of his interceptions was a desperation heave late in the game. I don't, I don't really even care about any of his interceptions. The the first one too with Chase Claypool, um, his first pass ended up being in completion. It's like, dude, Chase Claypool, make a play in, in, in a contested situation once, like once in your life, make it make a contested catch. Like he he always comes up small in those situations, and and I know that wasn't like a perfect throw or anything, but that's a situation where. It doesn't have to end in a pick, even if it's not a perfect throw. I does. I feel and, like there. I feel like there's zero percent chance that Chase Claypool gets a second contract from the Steelers. He just needs uh, yeah, to be I in agree. a different team. This is a bad fit. He doesn't want to be there. They don't. I don't think they want him here. They don't really need him. They have other talented guys. I mean, he, look, you don't want to give him away. You don't want to cut him. But yeah, if, if a team, if a team, uh, a contending team needed a receiver at the trade deadline, we know the trade deadline. In the NFL is generally a dud. I could see. Claypool get dealt. And I, I think the Steelers are going to move on from him and just say, you know what? We will draft a receiver in the second round to replace Chase, Clay, Chase Claypool. And it's weird to say that, Matt, because I was so excited by his rookie year. You know, the yeah, 10 touchdowns and gone bad. some of the matchup matchups they created with him in the slot, that game against the Eagles where, you know, he just looked dominant, although Philadelphia did no interest in covering him that day. Two years later, looks like a totally different guy and looks really disinterested. You know, I think he's frustrated. Again, I think team's frustrated with player, player frustrated with team. Yeah, it certainly has not gone well since that rookie year, which, like you said, was legitimately promising. All right, next game up here, we got Raiders 32, Broncos 23. Raiders finally get a victory. Josh Jacobs, man, 
ran well, 32 touches. Josh McDaniels said after the game, he's one of the best running backs he's ever been around, which was nice to hear from Josh McDaniels. But man, Josh Jacobs ran really well against a tough defense in Denver too. And of course, on the other side, man, we got bad news with Javante Williams, who was taken out of the game, left on crutches, was ruled out really quickly. Um, and Melvin Gordon, bro. I, I I was thinking after his after his fumble, like that was his fourth fumble of the year. Melvin Gordon, he's had a bunch like in buckets too. He's like the only running back who doesn't get punished for his fumble, seemingly. Um, but then Mike Boone was the guy who came in in relief of Javante Williams after he left that game. Are we? Do we have to give up on the Broncos? I mean, it's nice that Sutton and yeah. Judy both scored, although neither the, neither one of them had a huge game. Uh, Albert it's just not going to happen. Wilson has been more proactive as a runner the last two weeks. He ran late in that win over San Francisco. And then today picks up a touchdown and 28 rushing yards. I mean, Wilson was never like a run for 90 yards kind of guy. He was no, always he kind didn't. of a, if it's there, if the play needs to be made, y'all run for like, you know, 20 to 40 yards a week. I always felt like that was kind of his game, maybe a little bit more upside when he was younger. But I think he still needs to have a mobile aspect to be useful as a both a real life and a fantasy player. So I'm encouraged by that, but Man, I drafted into Williams proactively. Doesn't look right. Um, Gordon, every time he's on the field, it feels like something goes wrong. The receivers, I, Sutton was really good last week, and at least he produced this week. The touchdown deodorant helps, but I thought the Broncos were going to be like a 10 or 11 or a 9-win team at least, and they'd have maybe a top 12 offense. I Man, I want to I burn everything <laughs> I wrote about those guys. With Josh Jacobs, his career splits. And this happens with a lot of running backs. When the Raiders win, Josh Jacobs has his best games, has most of his touchdowns. When the Raiders don't win, he doesn't. It's as simple as that. And if you can come up with the Raiders winning beforehand, then you know like what weeks to play Jacobs for props or what weeks to play Jacobs in DFS. I won't say for fantasy because running back is so ugly. Even if you're kind of down on Josh Jacobs, if he's on your roster, I can't imagine he's not a starter for you. I don't feel a lot of Josh Jacobs questions and with just reason for that. But when the Raiders win, man, that's when Josh Jacobs goes off. And when, when they don't, man, he's, you know, it's like 38 yards and no touchdown. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm, I normally don't talk about the Sunday night game because we're in the middle of uh, we're in the middle of it as we're recording. Ceh, two touchdowns just since two we touchdowns. talked, since we talked yeah. about it earlier. Although that second one was like a freak alien play by Patrick Mahomes. So just since we talked about it earlier, I, I had spent to, all had to week trying it. to figure out the right way to hedge against him. It's like, do I want McKinnon? Do I want Pacheco? You could somehow Ronald Jones, you know, sneak a key into the executive running back room and become something. And Ceh, no, I'm still here. I'm the guy. <laughs> Uh, he's just gonna break every like fantasy usage model because it's only the touchdowns, which is so hilarious. All right, I have no, I have no ch. If he's great, it's not good for me. Yeah, I think I have him on like one roster, but that's it. Uh, all right, let's move to this one. Uh, Titans twenty four, Colts seventeen. Hey, VCU's finest, Moali Cox. All of our dead best ball team, Scott. He scores two touchdowns in this one, there and that's is. about that's about all good. The good you could say about the Colts, man. Um, Jonathan Taylor does not have a great game. He's feared to have a high ankle sprain, uh, which is just a reminder, by the way, like everybody that was like, I'm not taking CMC number one overall. He's going to get hurt. Well, any running back can get hurt. Even a guy in Jonathan Taylor, like how many, I don't know how many times I've been told, like he's never missed a practice. Uh, well, now it's, he's probably going to miss multiple games. This team plays on Thursday. There's almost no way he's playing on Thursday. Yep. If he has a high ankle sprain. Yeah, it's and. You know, Cox gets the two touchdowns, but just, you know, a week or two from Woods no, getting yeah. the touchdowns and they, they use Granson. I I think Matt Ryan's ultimate offense is like a five tight end offense now. He needs to throw between oh. the numbers. He needs to throw to the big guys. A really quiet game from Michael Pittman. I mean, look, 
as you said, the other guys get get paid too, right? I mean, this is kind of a Mike Vrabel special. It's not like the Titans did a lot special in this game. You know, they they throw a touchdown pass to a guy that nobody played in fantasy. Robert Woods is borderline wide receiver three. You know, Henry is Henry. Yeah, Tannehill's not really playable. I mean, man, this division. I mean, the, the Texans. I mean, look, whatever. They're cute and everything, but they're not going anywhere. Uh, the Jaguars <laughs> didn't show their best foot today. You can't feel good about the Colts. And even when the Titans win, they don't look good. I don't know if I have the stomach to rewatch this game, and I didn't watch a lot of it to begin with. But I'm like, what am I going to find out? I don't want to trick my. I've I've fallen for Mo Ali Cox before. It's it's yeah. it's like a roulette wheel, man. You know, the the number came up. It's not coming up on the next spin. Uh, you know, it, it, it just it doesn't seem to be carry over with that and they carry so many freaking tight ends and they all get on the field and they all run routes and they all draw targets and they all are capable of scoring touchdowns you know i'd, I'd love to th- i think mo alley cox could easily be a top he could easily be like what the gerald everett is right now something like that and the colts aren't going to allow it to happen i think he's just the the misleading fool's gold oh my tight end stinks i'll i'll bid nine bucks on mo alley cox and you'll drop him in two weeks yeah, I, unfortunately, I think you're probably right about that as much as I like Moali Cox and, you know, Jelani Woods obviously does it last week, does nothing in this one. The Colts just don't look good, man. You know, and the offensive line's a problem and it needed to be like a strength for this team. Not good. Not good. Matt Ryan is a huge fumbling problem. Uh, on the Titans, Derrick Henry, another 33 yards through the air. That is so huge for him, even though he's run extremely well the last two weeks, too. And this is a tough matchup, right? Like the Raiders one, it's like, okay, you run all over the Raiders, whatever. But like, this is a tougher matchup against the Colts here are usually more of a really strong run defense, weaker pass defense. So I think Derrick Henry, you know, I was freaking out about him after the first three weeks and then, or the first two weeks and then comes out really strong here. And, and it was also worth noting too, just injury note in this one, uh, Traylon Burks left the game, was carted off with a foot injury. He wasn't really doing much before that, but um yeah, so he's probably he looks like he'll miss some time, unfortunately, because you know I, I've said before I think he's basically just like a pure developmental player at this point. It really sucks for him to miss these reps because it would be pretty important for him. But yeah, the big story to me here is um you know it, it's it's Derrick Henry like showing once again he's a top five fantasy back. I think. And we say it every week. There's no reason why he couldn't catch 55 passes. Look, look, maybe this is finally the season Tennessee's on board with that. Yeah, thank God, man. Um, I'll tell you what I'm on board with, Scott. Enough already with Baker Mayfield. Enough already with Matt Rule, man. Cardinals 26, Panthers 16. The Panthers are now 1 and 26. Let me repeat. 1 and 26 under Matt Rule when the opponent scores at least 17 points, including 24 losses in a row. This is rough, okay, for the Carolina Panthers. And, and Baker Mayfield, man, is so bad. I don't want to hear any any like more oh these wide receivers aren't getting open you know give me a freaking break Matt Rule coming out here with that stuff oh geez I I don't want to hear about like these quarterbacks these wide receivers and quarterback not on the same page Baker Mayfield has been he's been the worst quarterback these they've run out the Carolina Panthers the last few years since Cam Newton and that's saying something it's nice of you to not mention Ben McAdoo you know who's uh, the offensive coordinator that that one in twenty six stat is amazing. I feel stupid for having picked Carolina in this game. Not that Arizona doesn't have a bunch of fleas. I you know, James Conner is getting volume. You need touchdown deodorant, otherwise you're getting like seven points a week. That that's not going to cut it. They're living off Kyler making stuff up. They're forcing the ball to Hollywood. Uh, you know, he was okay today. Yeah, he got the touchdown, but. Um, I still don't feel like the Cardinals have any real upside, but no. the problem with the Panthers is there. I mean, CMC is going to live through it. At least we saw the glimpse of DJ Moore having a little bit of value today, but Baker looks awful, doesn't look comfortable. And 
you know, it, it's not just the plays don't work. You look at plays, I, every time I, I find myself watching a Carolina play, and again, it's a hard team to rewatch. I don't, they may be a team I skip this week. You watch <laughs> a play, and, at, and when it's over, you say to yourself, that play had no chance. That play was yeah. dead before the snap. I feel that that's 30 Carolina plays a week. At least they got McCaffrey going. And, um, you know, a lot of people were nervous. This was a late game. They only had three late window games. And so you, a lot of people probably played McCaffrey because even if he was less than 100%, they didn't have that many other options. They just had to gamble that he would play. And he was good in this game. And it's nice to see him more proactively used in the passing game because that's what they need. This is an offense that gets almost nothing easy. And the easiest thing you can do is design passing game work for Christian McCaffrey. That's your layup. That should, that should be the foundation of your offense is that he should have as many receiving yards as rushing yards most weeks. At least we got to start towards that. Other than that, man, I know Arizona won the game. I still think they're very difficult to watch. I still don't trust the um, Cliff Kingsbury design of the offense. I, I At least Eno Benjamin, I think he's starting to show that he would be the guy if Connor eventually gets hurt. Maybe that's something you hang your hat on. Zach Ertz, by default, is still a top 10, top 12 tight end, even if these are his catch and fall years. Yeah, they're, they're going to get Hopkins back, and I'll see what they do with Rondell Moore. They had no idea what to do with him last year. But I'm hard fading the Panthers. I'm still kind of fading the Cardinals, too. You brought up Ben McAdoo, and I, I do have some shade to throw Ben McAdoo's way. You mentioned CMC's receiving role. That's great, but four of uh, four catches four targets and 56 yards and his touchdown game in the fourth quarter when they're trying to come back in this game like they don't do anything to design this offense is if yeah. they have one of the most unique receiving threats in the nfl in the back you just like, start the game that way that's going to be your proactive yes. off the bus staple and it, as you point out the flow of the game it didn't go that way at all if you if you want to get mad watch baker mayfield play quarterback too because I, I mean i'm telling you like passes are in, the, inaccurate He's getting balls batted at the line of scrimmage. He's off timing. It's just he's anytime he double clutches, the play is dead. Anytime he pumps, the play is dead. <laughs> God, it's so bad. And yeah, I don't have a lot of hope for the the Kyler Murray uh, you know operation there in in Arizona. Just bad. Hollywood Brown though, kind of getting getting it going here the last two weeks. That's for sure. The Greg Dortch dream is dead as well, Scott. I hate to say that, but he he played he played very few snaps in this game once Rondale Moore got. Yeah, back. that milk has expired. That milk has expired. You can throw it out now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a couple. There was a bunch of like Greg Dortch questions on FFL this morning. I was like, Yo, dude, like Rondale Moore's back. Like I know Rondale Moore might not be like the greatest player in the world or anything like that, but they can't have like all these like little tiny guys running out there. I mean, it's it's like the smallest offense in the NFL. There's still plausible upside for Rondell Moore. There's no yes. major plausible upside for Greg Dortch. A big difference there. Yeah, 100%. All right. Packers 27, Patriots 24. As you mentioned, this came down to overtime. Romeo Dobbs, man. Five catches, 84 yards, 47 yards and a touchdown. That's great. Also should have had the game-winning long touchdown. Would have like put him yeah. in, in Green Bay Packers, you know, l- legacy right there. The, he doesn't control it going to the ground, whatever. The rule is the rule. That's a, that's one of those ones where it's like, okay, he he let that one slip. Like, that's on him. Um, but it was worth worth noting to me that Rodgers did go back to him on the like the field goal drive in overtime for multiple catches that were, you know, in pretty big moments. So I don't think he's like – I don't know that that's one that it's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is just going to send uh, Romeo Dobbs to the shadow realm or whatever. Like, I think he's probably still in the circle of trust. And Al Nazard also – 118 yards this game. This just wasn't like the best um, 
It just wasn't like the best Aaron Rodgers game, like flat out while watching this one. You could tell. No, the, the Patriots still have Belichick and a, a pretty good defense. They're not going to be a fun team to play. Plus, they're going to want to run the ball. Even when Mac Jones comes back, I think they're going to run the ball as much as they can. And obviously, with backup quarterbacks in play, they had to try to shorten this game and make it the ugly slog it was at times. Even though the Packers had two rogue touchdowns, Watson had a touchdown, Tunyon had a touchdown. Most of their yardage, most of their usage was around their core four. Their two running backs, Jones got it early, Dylan got cooking late, and Lazard and Dobbs are now circle of trust guys. And Aaron Rodgers, not going to be anywhere near an MVP this year, but he's still a plus quarterback. And now all we wanted was, can Aaron Rodgers find some guys he can trust? Well, he trusts Lazard, and now he trusts Dobbs. As you said, it's nice to see him go back to him after he doesn't secure that touchdown. It, it would have been a blow-up game for Dobbs otherwise, and on the heels of a very strong week three. So, I think there's enough concentration here. You know, Rogers is a big trust guy, man. If he if he trusts you, he'll throw you the ball. You, you'll swap cell phone numbers. If he doesn't trust you, he'll, he'll act like he doesn't even want you on the same sideline. He'll just give you the the side you know the side eye and the stink eye and all that. I think he's got his four guys right now, and I feel really confident. Not that you didn't know about the running backs, but the question coming into the season was who will emerge in this wide receiver room. I think we have two very clear answers to that. I will be starting Lazard and Dobbs proactively or more likely recommending them. I don't think I have, I have medium Lazard, not a lot of Dobbs, but I think they're guys you can feel pretty good about going forward. Yeah. I feel really good about Dobbs, especially like he, for sure. I, I really like him going forward. It's nice to see both Patriots running backs get going here. Despite the fact they had their third string cornerback, rookie Bailey Zappi. I think I'm saying that right. Brian Hoyer got taken out of this game really early. So Patriots just need to get Mac Jones back and then they'll be back to whatever it is they're normally doing on offense. Harris and Stevenson are both playable. Again, we reduced the backfield down to two. Stevenson made both his rushing and his receiving prop. Harris probably has a little bit more goal line equity, but they're both getting double-digit touches and carries every week, and it's a very it's a very simplified offense. As far as the receiver room, it's whack-a-mole. Every, every week it's somebody different. I don't think there's going to be any consistency there in the quarterback. I, I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't know. But and you know Myers will eventually come back and complicate it. It's just a team where they have a bunch of guys playing above slot where they really belong as far as the you know, the one, the two, the three. So even though they actually have an interesting collection, they just it's like, okay, great. If you can just throw Devontae Adams or Justin Jefferson at the front of this, I'd like your <laughs> Yeah, receivers. that'd be great. <laughs> that we know the Patriots, that's not doing it, you know. They they draft Akeel Harry, not AJ Brown. You've heard this rant before. So <laughs> let's move on. You you've lasted this long into the podcast. You obviously are a big Giants fan or a big Bears fan. Matt, let's give the people what they want. I mean, bro. Giants 20, the Bears 12, the Giants are 3-1, and one, and they have no wide receivers. They ran out of quarterbacks today. Saquon Barkley's taking snaps out of the Wildcat. Unbelievable. 33 touches for Saquon Barkley. 20-12. This, this felt like 7-3 to three to me. Yeah. Yeah. Where where did those points come from? <laughs> I don't remember 20 points. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Daniel Jones scoring two touchdowns that, that didn't count, yeah, basically, for fantasy. But it's the Barkley show. Um, I... I I flaked on Richie James. I thought he would have like a kind of like the Greg Dorch, you know, like like a five for seventy type of game. He didn't get anywhere close to that. Just tossed the Giants receiver room into the sun. I don't know when I'll have the guts to play him, but I'm just so happy to see Darnell Mooney make a play because I like yeah. Darnell. Not that I'm in love with Darnell Mooney, but I like him. And we we know the story of the Bears. They don't want Justin Fields to throw the ball a lot. They're hiding him. Of course, he took a million sacks. I mean, the, the Bears looked a little justified in this game because um, the Giants defense ends up being a nice streamer because the, the Bears had to try to punch back in the passing game. They couldn't do it. A little bit disappointed in Herbert. Not that 19 for 77 is a horrible game, but I think a lot of people thought he was going to like you know rip up DFS and he's mispriced and everything. I would have liked to see a little bit more, but man, what, what can you hang your hat on here? Barkley is Barkley. 
and the the bear running back because they don't want to throw the ball will have playability every week you know as a lesser running back too maybe and that that's, that's about it cole Komet yeah. should have been dropped months ago and even mooney off a game where he makes a big play there's just there's there's no volume nope. in this offense and fields isn't confident and I, the, the bears man either. i tell me tell me there aren't like four primetime bears games coming up i can't take it probably are i haven't looked but they're always on prime time um yeah i think you pretty much summed this one up man i mean there's no value in the giants receiver room don't i got a lot of richie james questions and it's like dude you don't want to be playing the wide receiver five on daniel jones's offense and at one point it wasn't even daniel jones offense even more anymore so if Kadarius tony doesn't get on this field when he's you know quote healthy i, I don't know man it's 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 uh let me let me ask you if if you could have one stash on this passing game as, as gross as it is but you could whether it's Tony or Wandale Robinson. Is do you have any no. hope for anybody here? No, <laughs> it's probably the right answer. Um, Would you but, just have to say Tony because he has the most talent? He's he's at the I, yeah. trajectory of his career. He was a first round pick. He did flash I, last year at times. Yeah, I, he's just such a complicated player, and I, I think uh, he's got a long way to go as a route runner. I've said that before. So to me, I mean, I guess yeah, it would be Tony, but. I don't know how you could possibly have him. Like you, if he doesn't start playing soon, like you can't carry him on your fantasy roster. So it would probably be Tony, but Robinson could easily come back and catch a bunch of passes because he's going to run those little short eight out routes. There, there should be a rule that when you throw for eighty two yards, you're not allowed to win an NFL game. That just shouldn't be allowed. I, I reject that. We've already spent too much time. Uh, too much time about this game. Twenty to twelve, unbelievable. Hey, but shout out to the Giants. They are three and one. Can't take that away from them. And Saquon Barkley, it looks like the best player in fantasy right now with the way the Panthers offense is tracking and the fact that hey, Jonathan Taylor is hurt. If we, if we redrafted you, I wouldn't do this. You could take him first. I'd probably take yeah. Cooper cup. He could be yeah, the first running Cooper back Cooper off cup. the board. Yep, would you, is Barkley take... the best is Barkley the most valuable fantasy running back right now? Yes. I, I Oh, for sure. I just, because again, I, I think I don't tr- the, the receiving stat line with CMC is so juiced by the fact that they were trailing and like they didn't figure that out. Like, oh, we have Christian McCaffrey on the team. We should maybe throw him the ball until the fourth quarter. Um, that's that's the the problem there. Just the offensive ecosystem overall. Not that this is a great offensive ecosystem, but Barkley just looks incredible. Um, and, and yeah, I I think I would go with him over over McCaffrey, but it's by a hair. But I agree with you that the number one pick it, for me would be Cooper Cup, no doubt. And maybe maybe Jefferson too. I think I take the running backs over Jefferson right now, but that's some. There's some recency bias in that. Just because I feel like Cup is such a set it forget it every single week and watch. No, I actually think Cup's game. probably separated himself. Cup's probably the clear number one at this point. But Barkley is. If I were shuffling the running backs, I would put Barkley at the top. And maybe that's maybe that's just an obvious take. Maybe I'm not even saying anything all that useful. But that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I had him uh, coming in, into this week number two, like in my rest of season board uh, for running backs. Uh, and, and obviously with J- Jonathan Taylor's injury and just really not off to that great of a start of the season anyways, uh, I think he demands the top spot at this point among running backs. All right, that was Pack Show. Pack Week 4. A lot of takeaways that you all needed out there. Hope you enjoyed the show. That's going to do it for us. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pienowski. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make sure you're following the at Yahoo Fantasy account for a ton of great, just incredible tweets from that account if you'd like to support the show we would love it if you would make sure you leave a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on andy barons will make his triumphant return the king of the waiver wire is back to help us with all of the week five pickups until then we're out